0: Who Gets to Decide, a liberty-based podcast that brings a little piece of sanity to a confused society drowning in a culture of craziness. And here is your host, Seth Martin. All right, what's up everybody and welcome to another episode of Who Gets to Decide. Thank you for joining me this evening. Glad you're here and always happy you're listening. Well, we're going to jump back into Keith Knight for this evening because there's still just more to cover in his book. And I, I need to tell you about the book. I have it right here. I bought it uh, and I'm gonna read it. And one of the reasons I bought it, I mean, I know a lot of this stuff in it, but I thought, you know, this is just a good, he's got good uh, relatable examples and just good stories to tell people about how the government's screwing you over. And the name of his book, Keith Knight's book, is called Domestic Imperialism. Nine Reasons I Left Progressivism. So so Keith was a progressive, okay? He was a, you'll hear him in a minute, he was a drug addict, he was progressive, he, bad habits, you know, going nowhere. And um, he essentially got excited about these ideas, these these. Crazy, beautiful ideas the, the the ideas that essentially brand libertarians as crazy people. But you know, the crazier that the world gets, the more sane uh, us libertarians seem to the to the non-libertarians. And and kind of that's kind of the goal, right? Is to is to say to the world, "Hey, we're the we're the normal ones. We're the ones that are okay." Just sharing our ideas, and debating in public. We, we're not, we're not uh, on board with being busybodies and telling people how to live their lives, or what to do, or how to do it, or who to do it with, or any of that stuff. Um, we're the ones claiming that we want to live our lives without the state, without the state's influence on us, uh, our, the people we love, the property we own, the income we make, uh, we're the ones advocating for the absence of the state and and in dealing with human beings as human beings and like i said i'm going to read keith knight's book because i think there's just a lot of great examples in here great stories that are relating to people which is kind of the topic for today is can people be reached you know can can people be reached in such a way that they break out of the Democrat versus Republican dichotomy. Can they objectively look at the world as it is without relying on some government strongman to decide for them? And we're going to play Keith Knight. Keith Knight's answer, but I'm going to have an answer too, and I want to talk a little bit about this because this is – this is why I have this show. This is why I created Who Gets to Decide. Um, you know, th- Who Gets to Decide is kind of a play on who should we ask. You know, years ago, and my wife used to think I was crazy, but years ago, my kids, you know how little kids are. Daddy, have you seen my shoes? And Daddy, where's my bicycle? You know, they're always asking you where their stuff is, you know. And I used to ask them, I said, well, who should we ask about your stuff? I mean, is there somebody that knows more about your stuff than you, you know? And they used to look at me like I was crazy, but, you know, the same kind of thing can be said about your life, your liberty, your property, anything you own, who should, who should decide who gets to decide what to do with your car, with your house, with your money, with anything that's yours, who best has the right to exercise control over that? Well, the answer is you do. But we live in a society now where we have been convinced collectively that somehow there are things, there, and there's a growing number of things, it used to just be a few things, but now there's a huge number of things that society itself must decide. And we cannot, we cannot rely on the individual to make good decisions for themselves. And so we must use force. We must use violence to make sure that people make the right choices for themselves, their family, their property, their future, whatever. And this is the state of things in America today. Now, the truth is it's always been a little bit like this, right? Ever since we founded the government, there has, there has been... Uh, an argument about there are certain things that that we should decide politically. The problem is that that list just grows and grows and grows and grows. It, it never stops growing. The, the list just gets longer and longer and longer that supposedly we, the people, say we want to decide these things politically. And, and that's just, one, that's not true, but it does it does tend to grow. The list does tend to grow. And this is partially because we have a managerial state that grows. And the managerial state needs something to do. So what it does is it finds more and more things that it should decide for us instead of letting us decide for ourselves. So we're going to kind of delve into that today. But I want to play Keith Knight because he's he's got a good spin on this. And And, you know, he also comes from just kind of an average background. I mean, this guy just came out of nowhere. Like he said, he was a drug addict and and all this kind of stuff. He had bad habits and started to read, not a lot, but just a little bit every day and started to think. And next thing you know, he's writing books and speaking and just doing great things for for the cause of liberty. So without further ado, I'm going to jump into this interview. Tom, you're going to hear Tom Woods ask him the question, and then we're going to play a little bit of his answer.
1: Do you think most people are reachable? Well, uh, the, when I see how much uh, things have changed in my life, um, being a progressive, now being a libertarian, uh, being a uh, you know drug addict for four years, and then uh, being able to turn my life around, I think it is amazing to see uh, how much people can change when they surround themselves with the right people, and uh, start uh, developing the correct habits. So uh, yes, I actually do. Um, As I said in our uh, previous conversation, I think uh, the really important things are social proof and repetition. So the more people uh, claim to be part of something, the more people wanna be a part of it. So the more people uh, who are able to, you know, proudly identify as libertarian or just wear it as a side label, as our mutual friend, Alan Mosley likes to say, I'm not, you know, doing a libertarian show. I'm just doing a late night show. And I happen to be a libertarian as well. So just, you know, sort of giving people that green light that it's okay to be on our side makes many more people than we otherwise would have uh, want to join us.
0: Yeah. So this is an interesting question. You know, I've thought about it quite a bit. Um, It's one of the reasons I created this, this podcast. I felt like in the media specifically that things were being framed in a way that was obscuring the real questions. And the best way to demonstrate this is just to give you an example. Um, If you turn on the news right now, there's, there's a lot of quote unquote Iran proxies uh, bombing U S troops in various places. So, just the other day, unfortunately, three service people got killed in Jordan. And so you, you have these people come on TV and they say things like, God, you know, these, we got to do something about Iran. Their, their proxies are killing people, they're killing our troops in Jordan. And I'll sit there and I'll listen to the whole segment and nobody ever asks the question, why do we have troops in Jordan? You know, and this is, this is an important question. In fact, it's the most important question because from that question, it's easy to see, it's easy to take that and, and just go, well, you know, what if we had a, like I live in Texas. Okay. Uh, I don't know. What if Ukraine had troops in Texas? I mean, like, you know, a decent sized force, like maybe a base just outside of Houston or a base just outside of San Antonio or something like that or just outside of Austin and and you know there's there's some pretty rough people in Texas right i mean there's some these these are the kind of guys that you want to be on your have on your side you know if you're in a fight do you are you telling me that there wouldn't be people from Texas you know bombing some of these bases and doing some crazy shit, you know, and there, I I, presumably there would be reporters over in the Ukraine, over in Ukraine saying, you know, uh, you know, uh, United States proxies are bombing our troops in Texas, (laughs) you know, and this is, this kind of thing never occurs to people because the media frames, whatever they're talking about, they frame it in a particular way. They put, they put a box around it and that's the discussion they don't ever get outside of the box in this case outside of the box would be why do we have us troops in jordan why do we have us troops in syria i just want you to listen the next time you hear this report and i want you to ask yourself or just listen just watch it and just notice how nobody ever asked that question and so when i used to when i would watch the news I I would be be one of these guys yelling at the TV, right? So I thought, well, I've got something to say, you know, so I created a podcast. Now, you can say anything you want into a podcast, you know, but the reach is what is important, you know, when you have a podcast. And obviously, there are people that have podcasts that reach many, 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 many more people than I do. But I just felt like I had something to say. And I thought, well, you know, I'll just say it. It's cathartic on my side. You know, I mean, I, I get something out of it. I, I It helps me collect my thoughts. It helps me speak about what I'm thinking about. And so, okay, I'll just get on a podcast and talk about it. Maybe people listen, maybe they don't. But I just felt like I had something to say. And if you if you live with someone who doesn't want to talk about this stuff all the time, You'll soon find out you'll drive them crazy. So I thought, well, I'll just talk on a podcast and maybe I can reach some people. Maybe I can convert some people. Not initially. If, you, if you've if you ever had a discussion with somebody, what you'll notice is you, you can never persuade them just in one discussion. Because people, people are very wedded to their beliefs, you know, whatever their beliefs are. Wow, I don't know, Seth. Who's going to build the roads, you know? How, who's gonna what what are we gonna do with the FDA? How are we gonna get drugs to market that are safe? You know, what about the police? We need the police. We need we need the police out there harassing criminals and making sure that they're not looting us and and stealing from us and killing us. Oh, okay, you mean like what's happening now when the state's in charge of the police? this is this is another thing people don't get. It's like the very thing that they're afraid of, it's is what is happening under the supervision of the state. And this, this is just lost on people. And so, but I think it's lost on people, not because they're not bright enough to understand or whatever. It's just that so many of these questions are framed in such a way. It's like a trick, right? You're, you're sitting there talking to somebody or you're listening to a conversation and the person moderating the conversation or the person leading the conversation is framing it in a certain way. And so you're responding to questions, right? Uh, But don't really get to ask questions yourself. And so this is just a a trick, a a rhetorical trick that, that the media does. And it turns out to be entertaining. So people watch it and they get stuck in this, in this, uh, this mindset that doesn't allow them to break out and, and ask really piercing and important questions about what is happening in the world. And so I agree with Keith. I think people can be reached, but you have to kind of break, you have to help them break out of the right-left dichotomy, the the Republican-Democrat dichotomy, the America great, America, and the rest of the world evil, you know, or we were suspicious of the rest of the world kind of you, you know the chinese you know it's not the chinese it's the chinese government that we should be concerned about but what are we going to do with the chinese government we're we going to go to war with the chinese government that'll just harm chinese people and harm american people so no we shouldn't do that but what we should do is insist that our government here maximize our freedom so that we can innovate and compete, and produce, and just flat out work the Chinese. Yeah, their labor is always going to be lower than our labor, but we're always going to be more innovative because we're freer. And that's and that's that's the message I I want people to to start getting. And and I think it is. I think you can reach people. I, I've said on this program many many times that freedom is a popular idea, especially with people that have known something other than freedom you know people in cuba don't have to be convinced that america's great they've came from cuba people from russia or the former soviet union don't have to be convinced that liberty and freedom are the way to go they know what it's like to live without it the problem is we don't americans don't and so we're constantly moving closer and closer and closer to tyranny, but we don't even know it. You know, It's the proverbial frog in the, in the, in the pot, right? You, you put the frog in the, the nice cool water and then you turn the burner on, but you turn it on slowly and the, flaw, the frog ends up cooking itself and it doesn't even know it because it just slowly, its environment changed very slowly and eventually the frog dies. That's, that's what's happening to America. So we, do, we all need to find a way to reach people. We cannot get um, disgusted or dejected that these conversations aren't reaching our fellow Americans. We have to stay positive. We have to keep putting one foot in front of the other. We have to keep coming back and trying again and again and again. Because at the end of the day, um, if, if you're not free, then most of the people around you aren't free either. And uh, and we got to get people to see that.
1: And then having someone who you can really admire, who really stands up to your enemies. You got almost the entire uh, GOP saying that George W. Bush lied us into wars, which got, you know, our soldiers killed and killed tons of civilians. Something you never would have imagined that they'd say. And they're anti-CIA. And a lot of them are now on board with abolishing the FBI, supporting... Uh, Vivek Ramaswamy and it's not because I don't know if uh, they read a lot of books to come to that conclusion but what happened was someone took on their enemies Donald Trump said my enemies are your enemies they're coming after me I'm just uh in their way but they're really trying to get to you and he gave all these people a green light to completely do a 180 on all these institutions that they previously admired so um yes I think uh the message can be sold uh, correctly, you know, people like Javier Millet really just uh, inspire me with uh, his ability to get on TV, make the unapologetic case against collectivism, really inspire people and uh, show people that uh, these ideas are uh, worth getting behind. So I think so. Yes.
0: This phenomenon that he's talking about, this this social proof, is very, very powerful. There's, there's a great book by a guy named uh, Robert Cialdini, and it's called Influence. And if you're in sales or you're in any kind of role in your career that you want, you know, you want to be able to influence people, you got to read that book. It's, it's really, really interesting. But one of the persuasive tools of influence is social proof. So social proof is like, it's kind of like authority, you know, like if you want to, if you want to, uh, you know, sell somebody something, you appeal to authority, like, four out of five dentists say that this fights cavities, right? I'm appealing to authority. Well, social proof is a lot like that. Like if 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 somebody observes a bunch of people around them doing something, they tend to emulate them even if they feel uncomfortable at first because everybody's doing it. There's there's like there's this safety in the crowd, you know. And the social proof of of everybody doing it um, makes, makes you feel comfortable and makes you follow along. And, and I don't know if you've ever noticed, but doing something that's running counter to everybody else is very hard to do, right? I mean, especially if you're trying to defend it with somebody, you know, you're, you're you're trying to explain your ideas, you're trying to explain the way you believe. And the whole time, you know, especially if there's a group you know they're ganging up on you. They're like, "Oh, Seth, come on, you're an idiot. Well, how could you possibly believe that?" I mean, let's say you're trying to convince a group of five people that nine eleven was an inside job. I mean, they're gonna they're gonna destroy you, right? I'm not saying that's a good thing to go try to convince people of, but I'm just I'm just using that example. So social proof is a very powerful uh, tool. And 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 another thing is, like he said, somebody to admire. I mean, how many of you, especially when you're younger. You meet somebody and you're just like in awe. You're like, wow, that person. I want to be that person, right? I mean, you're just in awe of them. They're you're they're impressive. They're talented. You know, this is one of the reasons people, uh, different kinds of people, are attracted to celebrities. They're they admire them. They they're in awe of their talent, or you know, whether it's musical talent or acting talent or dancing or whatever it is. And this, so this is, this is very common, you know, to be, to find somebody and, and I would try to do that. I would try to find somebody that has a, a worldview that aligns with yours and you can, and you can like be impressed by that person. It, it makes it a lot easier to learn. You'll go, you'll go learn all kinds of stuff. Uh, if you can just find somebody to hang on to that, that can help you and encourage you and, Um, I mean, even if you don't really know him, it's just somebody you look up to. You know, I wasn't part of what they call the Ron Paul revolution, but a lot of people in the Libertarian Party came to the Libertarian Party through Ron Paul. You know, Ron Paul ran for president in 2004 and again in, is that right, 2004 or 2008? No, 2008 and 2012, I believe. Again, I wasn't part of the Ron Paul revolution, but but eventually I came around. But what I'm shocked about is how many people, how many people that guy inspired. And Ron Paul, he has this belief. There's there's a there's an idea in the in the Bible, I believe it's uh, Isaiah. You know, Isaiah just stood on the street and he told people about God, right? He wasn't talking to anybody, he was just talking to everybody. And and some people would hear him, and some people would just hear blah 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 blah, you know. But Isaiah was was trying to reach the what he called the remnant. And the remnant is that that one person out of a hundred that hears the message and then goes and spreads the message. Okay? Well, that's what Ron Paul did. That's if you ever heard Ron Paul talk about this, he talks about Isaiah in the Bible and he talks about the remnant. And he and he didn't care that his message, like people made fun of him. I mean, people made fun of Isaiah too. But Ron Paul just did it anyway. He he knew what was right. He believed what was right. He knew the message was unpopular, but he knew he wasn't talking to the person on Fox News or the person on CNN. He's talking to somebody who's listening to that conversation. And that's the remnant. So, you know, you might be the remnant for somebody, right? But try to identify who that person is, especially if they're aligned with your worldview and, you know, and you can be reached, right? It'll, it'll change, it'll change your mind about all kinds of things. So this is kind of what I want to talk about today. Cause I, I, you know, this is something I thought about for a long time. Like, do I really want to make a podcast? I want to sit here and talk into a microphone and I don't even know who's listening or if they even care, right? Or if they even make a difference, you know, most people don't write comments or anything. So I, I have no idea whether or not anybody's listening or enjoying the show or anything. That's why I always challenge you to go out and write a review if you if you can manage the time, swing the time to do that. But uh, I just I just felt like, well, there, maybe there's a remnant out there. You know, there's a, just kind of like Ron Paul did. Uh, maybe there's somebody listening. Maybe there's some, there's some story that I only, I can tell that makes a difference for somebody, you know, and, and that's how people are persuaded, but you, but you got to step out. You got to, you, you can't, you know, what we used to say, we used to say in college, any, any dead fish can float downstream. You know, it takes a live fish to swim upstream. And, uh, that's, you know, if you're ever going to accomplish anything in the world, you're going to have to be a live fish swimming upstream. You know, not just floating with the current going down the river. So, anyway, I, I hope you liked that uh, talk today. Um, go get Keith Knight's book, Domestic Imperialism. I think you can get it for free in PDF from the Libertarian Institute. Uh, but buy the book. I mean, you know, let's let's celebrate. the. I mean, let's show this guy his ideas are good, you know. It's a really, I mean, I've read a few pages. It's really a good book. It's very entertaining. And every single sentence in there is like important. So it's one of those books. It's very dense. Even though it's like 120 pages, it's just loaded and packed with all kinds of relatable stories and stuff. Um, all right, I have one announcement. I am going snow skiing on the 2nd of February. So I will try to put some shows in the can and schedule them out. But it is quite possible that I just can't squeeze in enough time to record all these shows. So, uh, if if I don't get all the shows in there, please don't you know unsubscribe me or anything like that. Come back and listen. Uh, I'll be back to it soon, uh, but I may not have enough shows to cover the time while I'll be gone. So, um, hopefully, you've got another podcast that you like to listen to, and you can go do that in the meantime. Uh, but Always come back and listen. Always, always, always come back and listen. I hope you enjoyed it. Thanks for coming in. Peace.